0: Welcome to the Mold Matters Podcast. Whether you are looking for help recovering from mold illness or just want to learn more about creating a safe environment for your family, this podcast is the place for you.
1: Hello and welcome to the Mold Matters Podcast. Uh, I am Jeremy Evans, one of your co-hosts along with my good friend, Mike Mike Adams. Mike Adams, we're um, professional mold remediators and we also do a podcast on mold. Been doing this for now i don't know six months or so i'm trying to do a couple of these a month where we share uh, advice about mold health mold remediation practices um, all these little things that we pick up uh, being in people's homes every day from academic literature and then uh, we've we've started a nice relationship with dr jeff wright where we consult with him um, i know we've said this before but dr wright has helped Hundreds, if not thousands of people get better from mold illnesses, and uh, quite an expert on on the protocols and, and things to get well from mold, and a bunch of other stuff, too. We, we don't give you as much credit for that because our focus is mold, but uh, a lot of the mystery illnesses, mold. as well as mold, mold <laughs> and a lot of the common, common ones, which we're actually going to talk about today, too. Yep. But uh, anyways, welcome, first of all, Jeff. Nice to be here. Welcome back. Uh, we've got a nice series of health and mold that we're going to be that we've been doing and are going to continue doing, um, because mold is so yeah. It, it's just an interesting thing. As, as you've mentioned before, Jeff, because there are so many symptoms that are associated with mold. It is so commonly confused with other ailments. Right. Yes, and so we kind of like to, you know, we kind of like to to keep parsing out what is mold what isn't mold <clears throat> and you know I have a I have a, kind of a funny comment on that yeah uh my wife
0: she gets on me a little bit she'll say mike every illness in the world is not from mold <laughs> and uh, and I I understand that but I sure think a lot of them are you know yeah.
1: but well you get into it and and you know we we're seeing people who are we're going into moldy homes. Yeah, for makes And everyone sick. we see yeah. is sick <laughs> and it usually is mold. Mm-hmm. So, but it isn't always mold. And so but today we'd like to, you know, we're in Utah and it's it's pretty stinking cold out there. I don't know what the temperature today was. What, what is it? Was it someplace here? south of warm? Yeah, it's below <laughs> it was below <laughs> freezing at least in the mornings. I had to scrape my windshields and so but regardless of where you live, this is kind of the season for Every year, colds, flus start to come out and happen. Mm-hmm. And so, Jeff, we'd like to, we'd kind of like to talk about that, if you don't mind. Sounds great. i um, like to kind of have you kind of help us understand, you know, is it mold or is it a cold as your wife? up with that catchy catchphrase for us uh as my beautiful wife said <laughs> is it a
2: mold or cold and it, it sounds so great and it's, <laughs> it just kind of rolls off your tongue um and how do you know if it is mold or a cold how do you know if what you just caught is something that you could share or not yeah well, i'm starting to become a poet um <laughs> so anyway um i guess the easiest way the to sum it up in <clears throat> a couple of words or not if it gets better when you leave the house it's probably mold. If it, uh, if it's self-limiting and eventually goes away, it's probably a cold. Now, symptomatically speaking, I would say that um, a cold might, uh, you know, you might get a little, a little bit achy and your nose might run. You might get a little bit of a sore throat. Not a really bad sore throat. That'd be something else. Um, your nose is running. Your eyes are watering. Um, it might look like allergies, but a cold is going to come it's going to be self-limiting and it's going to go away. Mm-hmm. So you think a cold is going to be? If you live in my world, um, three to five days. If you live in the regular world and don't do all the stuff that I do, um,
1: like five to seven days.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, and a cold, you might take some antihistamines or you might take some cold medicines and the symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's mold, it's going. It's not going to be that self-limiting five to seven days, up to ten days thing. It's going to continue. Uh, mold is going to be more environmental, meaning if you leave for a while and it gets a little better and you go home and it gets a little worse, that's not a cold that doesn't behave like that. It's going to be bad mm-hmm. wherever you are. Yeah. Um, a flu, uh, will give you a fever typically. Yeah. Um, mold, if it gives you a fever, it's going to be a very mild one. Mm-hmm. Like 98.6 is the normal average body temperature for humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a, If you're not a human, you don't have to listen to this. Um, if you turn it off at home, yeah, turn yeah, it off at yeah. home if you're not human. <laughs> um, or if you're not breathing air, you should probably turn this off right now because <laughs> uh, it's not going to matter. So uh, a 90 let's say you have a 99, 99.2 something like that, that might be as much as mold will give you. Mm-hmm. A fever will uh, from a, cou- a flu will usually be a little higher than that. Uh, now if you normally run around 96 or 97, yes, you have a bunch of other stuff going on. But you getting a fever might actually look like now you
0: have normal body temperature of ninety eight point six. Yeah. So uh, I have a I have a question for you. Yeah. <clears throat> sinus infections, or what people perceive as sinus infections, mm-hmm. um, I've even I, I believe I read it on the uh, CDC website where they've attributed a very high percentage of sinus infections are related to indoor mold. Mm-hmm. Um, is there, is there a surefire way of saying this sinus infection is fungal, or it's bacterial, or, I mean, g- give me some background on that. Uh, there's a not an
2: easy way to differentiate between a fungal and or bacterial and or viral sinus infection. Um, you can run a blood test. Blood tests for sinus infections are hit and miss because you're not necessarily in the blood. It's in a open cavity, so sinuses are caves. And so what gets into the blood is what penetrates the mucosal membrane on the inside of the sinuses. So that's not as easy to nail it down that way. Um, A sinus infection that is chronic, uh, I would be much more likely to be right if I said it's a fungal or some sort of chronic spore-related organism as opposed to a bacterial infection. Um, It's still tricky to figure out because it could be viral, it could be bacterial. Typically a viral sinus infection is going to be milder and a bacterial infection is going to be much more acute and much more intense.
0: So uh, so here's the, another question. I've thought about this for years because I run into it all the time and, and I, I mean, I've told many people that I think if we treat your home, your sinus infection will get better. Um, I probably shouldn't be that bold, but it seems it works out more times than not. But um, we see customers all the time that have told us, look, I'm on my third or my fourth round of antibiotics. um, And nothing seems to help. Would that be a dead giveaway that it's not bacterial? Yes.
2: Okay. Or if they have allergies that they used to have. There was a study at a prestigious university a a few years ago, um, and they said the theory was, gosh, maybe Chronic allergies are actually related to a fungal infection. Fungus and mold are very very closely related. Uh, Maybe it's actually caused by a chronic fungal infection, and so they did six months of antifungal drugs, uh, and their allergies went away. Well, what that means is it wasn't an allergy in the first place. It was actually a fungal infection that was stimulating the immune system's method to deal with allergies in the same way that it was dealing with the fungus. took care of the fungus, the allergy goes away. That makes sense. Um, and I would say, you know, in in modern medicine, in medicine, we want to be we want to nail it down to the very thing that's causing you to be ill. In my practice, I found that um, usually the people who have one problem don't walk through my door. Right. Now, I specialize in the complicated stuff. So. Right. But almost never is it just one problem. I mean, you're treating a young lady right now who's got a skin problem, and there's, I mean, there's the immune reactions causing the itchy skin as well as the bacterial organism that got infected on the broken skin as well as the fungal infection that's there because of broken skin and happened to be there so it's an opportunist infection you know you can't you treat the the rash or something that calms down the itch but you still didn't kill the bacteria and you kill the bacteria put the antibiotic cream on they're still not getting better well it's because there's multiple factors going on there that need to be
0: dealt with. Uh, Sinus infections are no different. So could you you potentially have a bacterial infection and a fungal infection within the same sinus cavity? Yes. Okay. And if you took an antibiotic the first time
2: and there wasn't a fungal infection there, maybe there were the spores there but they haven't grown, you wipe out the competing organisms, which are the bacteria, whatever didn't die is going to grow if you've got some fungal spores, let's say you have some mold spores in there that aren't doing anything and you go and wipe out all the bacteria, which are there to you know, I like to think of it like a movie theater. There's only certain number of seats. So if you go through and, and wipe out all the, the uh, brunettes and the redheads, then who's going to come back? Predominantly more blondes.
0: <laughs> right?
2: Yeah. Or maybe you get got the skinheads who don't have any hair. The thing is, is um, so if you wipe out competing organisms, now the floor is not balanced anymore and whatever it didn't die is going to grow. So yes, it's actually very common to have a fungal infection or a mold infection on top of um, the bacterial infection. And in modern medicine, in medicine, science of medicine, we do not necessarily look for a mold infection in the sinuses because our paradigm is to say, well, mold is the thing that's growing in your basement because you got water damage. Thinking of it as the thing that's infecting you, right? mm-hmm. making you sick. Yeah.
1: So if if kind of going back to what you were saying a minute ago, where you were kind of distinguishing between maybe the common cold and maybe a mold-related thing, I heard a couple themes. Mm-hmm. Mold, you know, if if you have cold-like symptoms and they're mold, it's it's generally milder. Is kind of what I heard. Yeah. Is that true? At the at the front end, it's milder. At the front end. But in the long term, it's, it's, it's kind of more of a chronic mm-hmm. not going away. That's why I brought it at the very beginning is the difference between a cold and mold is going to be chronicity.
2: A cold is self-limiting. Even if you catch two colds back to back, there's still going to be time in between where you were better. Mm-hmm. Um, and a cold is self-limiting, meaning it's going to last maximum of 10 days.
1: Yeah. This is
2: assuming that somebody's normal. I mean, if you've got a immunocompromised problem, that's that's a different story. I'm not talking about that. Yeah. But regular people, you know, I I talked to, I consulted with one family and they moved into their home and everybody's had a cold and or bronchitis and or a cough ever since they moved in.
1: I'm like, well, okay, if it was
2: bronchitis, it should have been self-limiting. Maximum, like, long-term bronchitis from an infection shouldn't last more than two, three weeks. Maximum six weeks. It should have gotten better. Yeah. So now, you know, this is, is the end of it. Um, this is November, and they've been there since June. Yeah. yeah, like well, now at five months out, you still have colds. This isn't a cold anymore. That should have been done five months ago. Yeah. I said, was well, there anything else going on in your house? And they're like, well, yeah, this person has, you know, a bunch of symptoms going on here, and this person has a bunch of symptoms going on here. And I said, were any of those things happening before you moved into the house? No. And these aren't okay. We can say that you have depression, and you might be depressed. But if you were never depressed prior to moving into this house and you like this house and you like what you're doing, something else shifted Would I say depression or mold. Well, I'd say, well, you at
1: least have to remove
2: the mold and see if the depression gets better. Mm-hmm.
1: So is it true? Because I've, I've read this in some of the literature. Um, I was reading it particularly particularly in relation to depression anxiety. But <laughs> another mold doctor I read, he said antidepressants do not work well when it's mold-induced depression it just isn't yep. is that similar with cold flu if you're trying to k- treat those symptoms with the, the generic medicine no, well, because you're treating the symptoms of what causes the,
2: the flu or the cold i mean you get a cold and your body says "Ooh, that's bad let's get rid of that and so the system the reason you get symptoms is because your body's immune system is dealing with the thing you're trying to get rid of mm-hmm. the cold itself doesn't cause symptoms it's your body's response to the cold yeah same thing with the flu same thing with whatever um and so as you are try- as you're you got the cold, you take anti-cold medicines, they stop the symptoms. They block, yeah. you know, either block the histamine or whatever. Yeah. Um, the thing is, is a mold exposure is going to have a different set of chemical processes, and so while those symptoms might improve a little bit with those medicines or those yeah. therapies, you're still going to continue to have to take them over the course of, you know, more than 10 days. And you might, oh, well maybe it's allergies. Well, I might scratch my head and go, well, did you have allergies before? Yeah and do you and, cause allergies are also will have a chronicity to them and they'll also have an environmental component but yeah usually people aren't allergic to the indoor air they usually you know, allergic to the outdoor air yeah
1: well i sometimes when when people tell me they're having allergy type symptoms a question i'll ask is cuz sometimes people don't they don't necessarily know they can't find the correlation between the home and the symptoms and so but i will ask them you know, do they change? Do these symptoms change? You know, because most people who have seasonal allerg- allergies are they're seasonal. I mean, different seasons, right? They get worse and better. Um, if they're fairly constant, I don't know if that's a good tactic. But I'll say, is it, is it fairly constant? I mean, does it go up and down with the seasons? And if they say no, that steps me a little more in the direction of mold, too. Is that
2: mm-hmm.
1: good uh, or logic? if they yes, that is good logic because.
2: History is the most valuable tool that we physicians have in finding out the cause of the problem. We can run blood tests, but it, a blood test is like me saying, so uh, do you have orange hair? And you say, no. Well, I didn't ask an open-ended question like, what color is your hair? I asked, do you have orange hair? So we can run a blood test. Do you have um, a normal complete blood count? And it comes back as, yes, you do. But I didn't ask, do you have a B12 deficiency? Because I had asked that. And so um, history kind of helps you to tease things out. They give you more data, more information. If somebody has seasonal allergies, then they know in April when ragweed is on, they're going to get allergies. Yeah. They just know that. But if all of a sudden in June they start getting symptoms again, like, well, am I allergic to something new? They scratch their head, and it doesn't really fit. Yeah. Now, a complicating factor is if you're in a moldy home, that means everything you live with and in Mm -hmm. is also moldy. So Mm -hmm. it might not get better when you leave the house because if you have mold spores on your clothing, then you took it with you. Um, or if you have, you know, if you've been sitting in your car and you have soft surfaces in your car instead of hard surfaces, so leather isn't going to hold it as well as, say, fabric. But you just came from a moldy home, you sat in that nice car of yours that has fabric seats, now you put that mold on your seats. Yeah. And so now when you're in your car, you have mold. Yeah. And so it's a little bit harder to tease out, but it, it, we usually when people are out of their homes, they out of the environment, they do somewhat feel better an
0: easier way to yeah. yeah, I think that's a great point. We, um, at least I see this all the time, where people say, I moved because I had mold and I still have mold. And it's, it's two, two points on that is, one, it's really interesting how no matter how much you talk to the previous owner about, did you have water problems? Oh, of course not. We didn't have water problems. Nine, I swear, nine times out of ten, they find out later there were water problems in that home. But the other thing that I was going to say is that you bring your stuff with you when you move, and that stuff has got all the mold on it. Well, I have a, tr-
2: a, tr- a solution for that. I say, n- number one, you need to leave. Take all any stuff that you don't need, leave it. Don't, you don't need to take that with you. And then when you move into the – and I might be giving the wrong advice. Please, please correct me if I'm giving the wrong advice. But say when you move in, move everything into the garage, leave it open, and have your maintenance guys come in and, and fog everything, and, just, and and then move it into the home so that you didn't contaminate the home. Yeah, no. Great advice. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Yeah, we've we've fogged many uh,
1: possessions over the years. Um, yeah, even most recently I fogged a couch where a guy was, it was a second-hand couch. The guy was having his symptoms come up every time he sat on it. Um, we'd already treated the home, but, yeah, we fogged it, and he said symptoms went away when he sat on it. So
0: I treated a, uh, this is years ago, but I treated a headboard that the mom had got real crafty, and she went and got some old barnwood and made a really cool headboard for her son. Mm-hmm. But he, every night he would have these symptoms, you know? Mm-hmm. And she figured it out.
2: It's some and mold in the, and in there and the again barnwood. comes the history, taking a thorough history of saying he was, every night he was having symptoms. Right. To me, that's a red flag. If you wake up with it and you didn't go to bed with it, yeah. there's something you're sleeping with. Yeah. Now, I haven't had yeah. to tell that many people to perform a spousectomy. Get rid of their spouse, <laughs> uh, but a lot of times it's in their bedding or it's in their carpet or it's in the clothes that they brought home or yeah. something like that. If because if you didn't go to bed with it and you woke up with it, there's
1: something in your bedroom that's causing you a problem, yeah. So, kind of back to, to cold and flu, are there any cold <coughs> flu symptoms that um, that a person can have that that uh, basically. Are all cold flu symptoms also symptoms that can be manifest with a mold-sick person? Um, usually you're not going to get a high fever with a mold-sick person. It's very unlikely, very atypical
2: for a mold-sick person. Kind of a mild low one, but not a high one? At, with a mold-sick person, at best, they'll have a mold or at worst, they'll have a, a mild fever. Okay. Now, yeah, do, I've never seen or heard of anybody having a really high
1: acute fever with a mold-sick With a mold-sickness?
2: S- but, but all the other ones? Uh, body aches and pains. Yeah. usually not mold, in the front end. At the back end, when somebody's been in and around a long time, it starts to look like fibromyalgia.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: but that looks like fibromyalgia, not like an yeah. Um Usually a, um, a mold illness is going to focus uh, in the respiratory tract, less in the eyes,
1: uh, and less in the throat, although it can hit the
2: throat, it's more likely to hit the respiratory tract, so, so nose, sinus, um, and
1: lungs. Interesting. So if you have a, uh, if
0: you have a uh, sinus problem from mold, or even from from a cold, that drainage, I've always wondered this, mm-hmm. can that drainage cause a sore throat? Yes. Is it the actual the bacteria that's now infesting in the throat that causes the, the uh, sore throat? Or it, c- it can does be both. But if it's
2: a mold problem and the mold is making uh, biotoxins, the biotoxins are called that because they are toxic. Right. Yeah. And so if you're draining biotoxins down the back of the throat, those can hit the back of the throat and cause inflammation. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: That makes sense. I Years and years ago when we were first married, we had a home that had a flood, and I didn't know anything about mold. We just, you know, get rid of the water and we should be fine. Mm-hmm. And I remember back then I had a chronic sore throat for, I want to say, a couple of years. And I look back now, it probably was that mold issue.
1: hmm yeah. So uh, so it sounds like, you know, it, people can get tricked by by a cold or a flu sometimes.
2: You can, but remember, if it's a cold or a flu, it's going to be self-limiting.
1: Yeah. they If they do your checklist, they should be able to figure out this isn't a cold. Yeah, this so
2: isn't a flu. It, you know, let's blame mold, but, well, it might take a week before I can get pure maintenance in to fog my house, so give it 10 days to two weeks. Uh, And if nothing changes, it's much more likely to be a mold problem. Is is there such a thing?
1: um, I am going to say, so you've heard of people who have, what do they call it, long COVID or something like that? Mm -hmm. Is there such a thing with flu or colds? No. There's no long flu, long cold?
2: No, you don't get long haulers from cold
1: or flu. Okay. So there's... there's But the thing
2: is, there's other diseases, for example, Uh Epstein-Barr, which causes, in some people, chronic fatigue syndrome. Epstein-Barr is... Uh, you know what's the, the virus that causes mono and it can live in yeah, you forever um, and uh, i shouldn't say can it does live in you forever uh, and it is something that can cause chronic fatigue and a lot of other symptoms it usually comes on at the very beginning with the sore throat the fever and oh, then it leaves you for or leaves you with exhaustion for a year hmm. um and so that actually could that that way you think oh i had the flu and then you're tired afterwards like well it wasn't the flu virus that was making you sick. Um, there's some people who are thinking that um, long hauler syndrome from COVID is actually just a reactivation of, of FC-BAR. And while I do think that is part of the equation for some people, I know other people that don't have FC-BAR, they have long haulers. Yeah. So there's more to it that. There's more to it,
1: yeah. And in all these things, you know, it's it's complicated, you know, as you've mentioned, I wish I wish it was a little easier to... To determine, you know, as I go into someone's house, I tr- I, th- I think I've mentioned this before, but I do try to, I do try to do a profile of the person, especially kind of a medical one, and, and I'm learning from you and other people too because I want to be able to not give them medical advice, but I want to be able to be confident in some of my inspection, you know, as I ask them about the home and I hear about the symptoms, mm-hmm. you know, that's going to tilt me one way or the other. Um, and to make a more informed decision, because as we've mentioned before, many times you don't see tons of active mold in a mold sick person's home, right. unfortunately. So would be easy. Yeah. Again, I wish it was a little easier. And I always recommend if I'm sensing the symptoms, if I'm recognizing that the symptoms are aligning with all these things I've learned, I'm sending them to you. I'm sending them to another professional, you know, that can do more of that side of things. But I think, I think it's really good to know this stuff for anyone.
0: Yeah I would say um, more times than not when someone actually gets to the point where they call us they've been battling these symptoms for months and months and and that in my mind would rule out the common cold. Yeah yeah
1: Yeah, actually that's a good point. Many times we're getting the call when the person's like you know I've had this thing for a long time and I started googling other things that cause these symptoms and someone you know some website said mold so could you come check out my house that's usually when you, I, or anyone, any one of us shows up. Mm-hmm. And and so it does become this thing. And I tell them
0: every sickness is mold.
1: Yeah. That's when, that's when you well, just Broken arm, you, that's mold. You know, I had a genetics
0: <laughs> professor
2: who was of the opinion that everything was genetic.
0: Oh, really? And,
2: and we're like, eh, broken arm, how is that <laughs> genetic? And he said, well, you know, genetically speaking, maybe you have less coordination which and or you had genetic... Uh, Inability to make awesomely strong bones instead of just strong bones uh, And you know all those things came together and you broke your arm. What about the cold? Well, some people don't get the cold Uh, He said some people are just genetically susceptible to it. And so the reality of this is simply yes Everything could be mold, but there's so many different factors. Do we go after mold first or do we go after mold otherwise in my practice? If I'm taking, as I'm taking the history and, oh, all your symptoms started after your water damage, I, I don't, I was like, well, look, I can run $2,000 worth of medical um, tests to prove that I think you have mold, or you can just call your maintenance. And they're cheap by comparison. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, it's true.
2: And then once you have your house fogged, then we can talk about what you need to do afterward, because it's really, really hard, I've found. It's really hard to dry off
1: if you do get out of the pool first. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, well, right. as far... Is there anything else that you can think of, Dr. Wright, like with this cold flu conversation, winter time, anything? I don't know. So uh, with colds and flus, obviously take
2: take precautions. You know, wash your hands. Uh, Soap and water works beautifully. You don't have to use hand sanitizer. If you can't get out and use uh, hand sanitizer, there's some great products out there. Alcohol is good for moving dirt around. It does kill the COVID virus. Um, That's an okay hand sanitizer. There's other stuff. Um, What's the stuff that you guys use?
1: Uh, um, Gold Shield 5, five yeah. yeah. Gold
2: Shield 5 is, is fantastic uh, Stuff called chlorhexidine is fantastic um, Anyway, using hand sanitizer Take precautions If somebody's coughing up along, probably that's not a good time To let them play with your baby um, <laughs> It just doesn't make any sense to me That you know somebody coughing up along Deserves the opportunity to play with my, my baby <laughs> um, Basic things like that Take, take precautions uh, Eat good food It's really important if you eat good quality food you're going to have a much better ability to fight off viruses. Uh, Take your vitamin D. Low vitamin D is actually the cause of pretty much everything bad that happens in the world, and that's of an
1: overgeneralization.
2: (laughs) But in our our latitude uh, and in Utah where we're based, the sun is not high enough in the sky from about October to about April for you to get vitamin D from the sun. So Mm -hmm. going sunbathing right now, even though it's freezing cold, probably isn't going to get the vitamin D you want. Oh, and so, know. therefore, pretty much everybody who lives in Utah needs to be taking um, a good amount of vitamin D. If you're a little b- a child, 500 or 1,000 is good. Uh, I take 10,000. I'm only 240 pounds, so I'm not that big of a guy, but probably to everybody listening, I'm probably a pretty big guy. But I take 10,000. Uh, and I just checked my vitamin D last week, and it was like 52. And it should be somewhere between – I like to see it between 40 and 60. Um, so 10,000 is the sweet spot for me. Um, I have yet to see somebody have an overdose on vitamin D that was, I, I have seen two people who started to get acute symptoms from it, but they were taking much higher doses for other reasons. Uh, so, you know, for a regular person, one to 2,000 is a great start. You get your doctor to check it. Um, taking your vitamin C, if you start getting a cold or flu, take some vitamin C. Um, it just helps your body to get rid of the cold and flu
1: faster. I'm not giving
2: any medical advice. These are just... Basic right. things. If you uh, if you Google other treatments for uh, cold or flu, you're going to find these things.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: but they're very safe. Um, even uh, even children can take these things, and they're not harmful. There's basic good sense. Yeah. Use your doctor if something goes bump and is really bad. If you don't know what to do, then go see your doctor. Um, but with colds and flus, most people who have a, any kind of sense of immune system can handle those just fine, and they don't necessarily need medical care now people are going to come and kind of haunt you and, and, and the you haunt me saying oh, we should when should we see our doctor no. use good sense if you feel like something's not right talk to a professional
0: and my big thing is water drink water drink water yeah, yeah. that's your big water thing. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: half your weight in ounces per day yeah. half your so weight Wait,
0: okay All right.
2: oh so if you're okay. 200 and f- so we'll do the math on me if you're 240 yeah. ounces i actually be drinking 120 ounces of water per day that's half my weight in ounces that is a significant amount that's of a lot of water yeah. that's a lot of water you probably get close to that. Probably,
1: yeah. <laughs> energy drink water. In, in a month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but drinking water is important. Yes, yeah, it, it is. Yeah. Especially in the winter when it's not hot and you don't necessarily get that sense of, like, well, hot a lot of, thirst. Right? But homes are often
2: um, very, very dry. Yeah, so often
1: yeah, we yeah. are more dehydrated
2: in the wintertime yeah. because of yeah. just
1: the, the wonderful
2: uh, forestry, for Yeah, we don't yeah.
1: notice it, though. <clears throat> All right. Any, any advice from you, Mike, on no, colds, I, flus? Drink water. Sounds great. Drink water. Drink well, water. Always, uh, everybody should drink water. <laughs> well that's uh, that's it for our December in and Christmas week. This is Christmas week. This yeah. is our Christmas week edition of the Merry Mold Matters. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. From the Mold Matters podcast. Hey, don't eat too crew. much sugar. <laughs> don't eat too much sugar. That's and another.
0: Thanks to uh, our producer Ari behind the glass there.
1: Yeah, thanks Ari. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right guys, take care. Thanks for listening to the Mold
0: Matters podcast. Be sure to subscribe for more in-depth information on mold illness and recovery.